0: Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where you can hear the GC team discuss and debate topical developments in public policy and regulation from around the world.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Global Council podcast. I am Colin Darcy, Senior Practice Lead for Tech, Media and Telecoms. Today we will be discussing the UK music industry to analyse why it has been hitting the headlines and why it's attracting political and regulatory attention. In particular, we'll discuss the announcement this week from the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA. I'm delighted to be joined by GC's resident experts on the music industry, Megan Stagman, a senior associate in the tech, media and telecoms team. Megan leads our Uh, analysis of policy frameworks uh, associated with the streaming industry. I'd also like to welcome Nick Hendricks, an associate in our Global Investor Services team. Nick spearheads our media, entertainment and sports market research for institutional investors. So welcome to you both. Uh, Megan, I'd like to turn to you first. Before we get into the detail of the CMA announcement, I'd like to hear a little more on how we reached this point. Why is music streaming on the UK political agenda?
2: Well, the current focus by politicians and regulators hasn't exactly happened in a vacuum. There's quite a few different parts to this. So, for example, um, we've had artists uh, make a concerted effort to draw policymakers' attention to this. One notable example of that was that earlier this year, in April, um, various high-profile musicians, including Paul McCartney, Kate Bush, Noel Gallagher... Stevie Nicks and others all signed an open letter to the Prime Minister saying that there needed to be a real change to the streaming economy Um, and particularly they were looking for streaming pays to be amended to replicate that which is currently the case in radio and that legislation needed to be amended to enable that. Overlaying that and perhaps somewhat justifying these artists concerns are the numbers that show that the rates of pay are the lowest that they've ever been So, for example, last week, uh, services such as Spotify, Apple and Amazon all filed documents with the US Copyright Royalty Board to tell them what they thought they should be paying songwriters between the years of 2023 and 27. And these figures that they proposed are allegedly rolling back rates and terms to erase all of the gains that have happened in the past 15 years. So it's not entirely surprising that people are upset by this. And in that context, it's not surprising either that uk politicians have begun to take note so the parliamentary dcms select committee was a prime example of that and launched an inquiry on music streaming in october of last year they underwent the normal process of several months of hearing from various stakeholders including artists streaming platforms government officials and others And then they put out a report of recommendations. And this included various suggestions, including that the government should legislate to provide performers with equitable remuneration from streaming incomes. They thought that there should be new obligations on licensing arrangements for services. And very topically for today's discussion, they felt that there should be a CMA study on major music groups' dominance. Uh, Again, as is normal process, the government responded to that committee report They agreed with a few of the recommendations, disagreed with quite a lot of the others and on the CMA inquiry they left that open to the regulators own discretion given that the CMA is independent from government.
1: Okay so what we're what we're seeing is political and regulatory pressure born out of a central concern around how artists are paid and linked to that an asymmetry in power between music artists and the streaming services. Ironically It is those artists who are the most famous and presumably the most wealthy that are keeping this issue on the agenda. So, Nick, Megan set out the political and media context uh, that surrounds uh, the debate in the UK on music streaming and the music industry. Can we just take a little bit of time for you to talk through what's happening commercially in the music sector? What's happened over the last few years that plays into this debate and is important for our listeners to understand? Absolutely.
0: The streaming has been the biggest change streaming revenue surpassed physical sales for the first time in 2017, and this has had huge implications in the music industry. Historically, the value of an album was measured by record sales, which tended to peak shortly after a release. Determining how often a song was played was basically impossible. However, streaming has provided us with a treasure trove of data. Consider a song from Fleetwood Mac, for instance. Before the advent of streaming, there was no way of knowing how often it was being listened to. But thanks to streaming, we know exactly how often a song is being played and streams translate into revenue. So now all of a sudden, we see music turning into an asset class. Investors see these songs consistently getting streamed and generating revenue and want to get in on the action. You can see why this would be attractive. Music is an uncorrelated asset that is relatively resistant to shocks in the economy, especially as the pandemic has shown. For this reason, some consider streaming services to be utilities, not luxuries. The way the industry works is that rights holders, who are typically the record labels and publishers, license music to streaming services in exchange for royalties. Artists and songwriters often give up a portion of their royalties in exchange for the services that these record labels and publishers provide. The issue at present is that artists and songwriters feel they don't receive a fair portion of royalties from streaming services at present. And this is what the CMA will try to unpack. So to put it simply, streaming beyond the advantages
1: that it gives users and listeners via their their, uh, smartphones is essentially a vast data resource for the music sector and allows us completely new ways to measure value. And that has changed the commercial dynamics within the sector. So all that said, Nick, Everything has changed. But what has that meant for the commercial prospects of the music sector? Is it as far as I ever remember, the music industry has been in the doldrums for, for several decades, ever since the launch of Napster, essentially in the 90s. So is, is,
0: is that changed or we we seen something different? Well, the commercial, the commercial prospects actually look really good at present, but the numbers don't tell the entire story. So if you look at the numbers, global recorded music revenues reached $21.6 billion in 2020, the highest they've been since 2002. That also marked the sixth consecutive year of revenue growth. That success is much to do with streaming. 62%, or $13.4 billion in revenue, came from streaming. All other categories saw a drop in revenues this last year. In the UK specifically, recorded music revenues reached £1.1 billion last year, while streaming accounted for 66% of revenues. Streaming now makes up 80% of UK music consumption. In terms of deal flow, in the last two weeks alone, there's been more than £2 billion in music transactions. Blackstone is forming a music investment partnership with Hypnosis Song Management, and investing $1 billion to acquire music rights. And KKR acquired a song from Cobalt this week for $1.1 billion. Other big music transactions in the last year include Blackstone acquiring E1 Music and KKR partnering with BMG to invest in music catalogs. Perhaps most significantly, Universal Music went public in September at a 45 billion euro valuation. which was much higher than anticipated. In short, we're seeing investor enthusiasm buoyed by strong revenues and consistent growth. On the flip side, though, we've seen a lot of artists offload their catalogs in the last 18 months include Shakira, Bob Dylan, Fleetwood, Stevie Nicks, Tina Turner, and Ryan Tedder, among others. Well, this makes sense for older artists who want a lump sum. The fact that younger artists are beginning to sell their catalog suggests that music rights may be reaching their peak valuations. So this is a trend that's worth paying attention to. So music's
1: on the way, way back up after, after a difficult start to the millennium. Uh, but it's unclear where the market's going to go next. So we're going to keep a close eye on that. No doubt the CMA is is doing the same. So let's, let's bring them in. We've heard the context. We know what's happened. Why is the UK competition regulator getting involved, Megan? What, what do we know at this stage? What don't we know? And when might we know it?
2: Sure. So I spoke previously about the DCMS committee um, and the government's kind of work on this. Um, And on the back of that, the CMA announced this week its intention to launch a market study into music streaming. Um, This decision wasn't altogether surprising. Not only was there the precedent that I spoke about before, but also the CMA has been really ramping up their credentials in the digital competition space recently. So, for example, you might have seen that this week the CMA also fined Facebook £50.5 million over an enforcement order breach, Um, And earlier in the year, the CMA also set up a digital markets unit, which is going to look specifically at the tech sector. So it's not really surprising that their attention has eventually turned to the music streaming space too. Um, And yeah, if we look at the actual process of these market studies, um, they're a tool which are used by the regulator to identify competition and consumer issues across a whole range of different sectors and then where they find reasons for concern, they identify how best these should be tackled. What we do know in answer to your question is that the market study is going to take place soon. Um, The announcement this week made clear that this work is going to be prioritised and indeed that it's going to be the very next market study that the CMA launches. But what we don't yet know is exactly what the study is going to look at. So as a first step the CMA is going to be undertaking preliminary work to refine and scope out the project Um, and that will reveal exactly what topics we're
1: looking at. So we've got a regulator in a hurry, and that's consistent with everything that we know about what the CMA is doing across the digital environment. Contrary to expectations, the UK has actually been extremely proactive post-Brexit in competition policy, um, and whereas before it left those powers with the European Commission in Brussels, and the expectation was that the UK uh, may not be quite so interventionist as their European counterparts, I think this is yet another example of uh, proving that not to be the case. So we a regulator in a hurry. We know it wants to do something. We're not quite clear on exactly what it's going to look at. But can we, Megan, just anticipate a little bit about what we think, given the context we've already talked about, what it is that the CMA may look at?
2: Yeah, so we get a bit of a broad sense of topics of interest from the government's recent correspondence with the CMA on this issue. So they've raised concerns about possible market dominance of major music groups and specifically the potential for contractual agreements between major music companies and streaming services to stifle innovation in the streaming market. So that's definitely going to be covered Um, More specifically, I guess we can speculate attention might be paid to pricing models, um, consumers' experience of switching services perhaps, and the role of algorithms in recommendations seems possible as well. Although I should add on that last point that there is separate work that's also being undertaken by the Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation, um, and they're looking into the role of algorithms on streaming services and what the implications of that might be. So it's possible the CMA will leave that to them.
1: Okay, so it wouldn't be a surprise that the types of issues we were talking about earlier, that central tension around pay and asymmetry of power, will be a a central plank of what the CMA are going to look at. I mean, to that point, Nick, earlier you described that the music industry is actually in a positive, almost booming uh, state. Um, Do you think particularly when we're thinking about this asymmetry of power, do you think that this has
0: affected the willingness of the CMA to intervene at this moment? Absolutely. I mean, the commercial success of the music industry has highlighted the discrepancy between revenues and artist and songwriter compensation. These moves by the CMA are about shifting the balance of power in the industry from streaming services, publishers and record labels to artists. Music has taken on a heightened importance during the last 18 months. So, regulatory and... Regulatory intervention is definitely likely to resonate with the public. So from my perspective, this is a politically astute move. So, yes, in, in short, we, we, we would imagine that things like
1: the universal valuation and the IPO that took place recently did not go unnoticed uh, within the corridors of the CMA. Um, so look at it from the perspective of the, sort of the investors that you work with each and every day, Nick. When they're looking at the music sector and the streaming sector, and they're thinking about the types of investments they're going to make moving forward, how does the CMA's announcement play into this? Um, what what concerns or considerations will
0: investors and other parts of the commercial ecosystem be thinking? Sure, sure, Absolutely. So, given that this is only a market study, the status quo could be maintained, which would be good for music investors, given the industry growth trends that we've highlighted earlier. But if the study leads to an investigation, investors should start to get more concerned as this could lead to concrete action. Investing in streaming services becomes inherently less attractive if streaming services have to distribute more of their revenues to artists and songwriters. Additionally, investing in music publishers and record labels becomes less appealing if they have to give a larger cut of royalties to artists, which could affect profitability. However, intervention could create new opportunities for investors though. There's a separate CMA investigation right now into Sony Music's acquisition of independent music distributor AWOL. This could potentially lead to forced divestment and competitors such as Universal Music and Warner Music could face similar M&A constraints. In that case, private equity could step in and fill the void. It's still too early to tell exactly how regulatory intervention will affect song valuations. But we'll continue to cover these developments and our deal for monitoring as these studies and investigations progress. So it brings uncertainty. Um, At the moment, uh,
1: investors are in wait and see mode. Um, Particularly important will be to see whether the study leads through to a market investigation by the CMA. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. So, Megan, that sort of leads quite nicely into where I think we need to take the conversation next. We're obviously at an early stage. You've already said we don't know much about exactly what the CMA is going to look at. They haven't published that yet, although we can guess it. Can you give us some idea of where you think this might lead? Nick has already identified the potential for an investigation. Are there, can you expand on that? And are there other options that we should be thinking about?
2: Sure. Sure. So the next step is going to be a formal market study notice um, that will include the scope of the study once it's been identified as we spoke about and it will also set out the time scale within which the study is going to be completed so we'll have a lot more detail then um, and once that has been published then the CMA will be able to use its statutory investigatory powers to carry out information gathering. Um, this will probably include approaches to streaming companies, music labels, maybe artists across the sector all providing evidence and data points to inform the study. Um, I think that's probably likely to take the form of questionnaires, meetings, interviews, maybe telephone surveys. And then once they've accumulated all of that data, they will publish a report of market study findings and any recommendations that come on the back of that. As Nick said, this could lead to a more in-depth market investigation if they feel that they don't have enough information or that there's something worthy of further study. Um, it could include recommendations to government for legislative action which many stakeholders are hoping for Um, it could include encouraging businesses to self-regulate which I'm sure the streaming services themselves are probably hoping for or in a really drastic uh, state of affairs it could include taking competition law enforcement action against firms so a real range of different outcomes that could come on the back of this.
1: Fine so if for those listeners who are working at companies in, in the music sector the most obvious thing that is likely to happen next is that the CMA will come with requests for further information and often this can be quite detailed and quite intensive for companies to pull together so there's a data gathering phase that in itself uh, is a notable compliant obli- compliance obligation we don't quite know what it'll lead to afterwards I was interested, though, Megan, that you did mention potential legislative solutions. We haven't really talked much today about what the UK government thinks or what the UK government's doing here. Do you think that the UK government more broadly is supportive of more intervention in the music sector?
2: Um, I would say that the government is currently pretty undecided about its next course of action. So the government's response to the committee report was one which was reluctant to commit to any action at the moment But at the same time, it refused to take it off the table altogether. So they're really just kicking the can down the road for the time being. Um, Government said that they were going to reassess progress in spring of next year and then again in autumn. So they're keeping a watching brief for the time being. Um, And in the meantime, instead of jumping into any legislative action, the government has opted to commission um, a range of different research projects and working groups. So, for example, one of these, a new music industry contact group, met for the first time this week, um, and that's convening senior representatives from across the industry, and they're going to meet regularly over the coming year to keep an eye on issues such as remuneration, contract transparency, and platform liability rules. And there's also two technical working groups that are working on the sidelines of that too. But the one other thing maybe to keep in mind is what's happening concurrently in the EU, because despite Brexit or maybe perhaps because of it, there's no question that the UK government is still keeping a close eye on what its neighbours are up to so that it doesn't get left behind. And that makes it worthy of note that earlier this year, back in April, the European Commission charged Apple with an antitrust breach related to competition in the music streaming services market. So the UK government might feel that it has to play catch up in some respect.
1: So fair to say that the government is interested, is active on the issue but the steps it's taken so far have been possibly tentative at best and it's very happy to let the CMA take the driving seat here um, before considering further action. That's probably not a huge surprise given uh, as we know that the UK government's agenda is is dominated by uh, the fallout from the Covid pandemic, the backlog across various government departments that comes from that as well as the ongoing negotiations with the EU about the post-Brexit settlement. It's something we've seen across a range of different policy areas. So just to, just to finish off, um, we've, we've, we've covered this, this whole issue in quite a lot of detail, but one thing, Megan, we haven't discussed is copyright. It, does that come into this at all? Um, do we expect anything from the government on implementing the EU copyright directive, or is it still radio silence from Whitehall on this?
2: I wouldn't say radio silence um well I mean on the one hand the DCMS committee felt there should be action on copyright and although they acknowledged that the EU's copyright directive wasn't a silver bullet to the music industry's problems they did feel that creators in the UK shouldn't be any worse off than they would have been if the UK had remained in the EU um and the government agreed to that in principle in its response but it reiterated its long-held position that it has no intention of implementing the copyright directive and that's very unlikely to change, to be honest. But the officials did say publicly that they have a unique opportunity to learn lessons from EU member states as they implement the directive. So they're keeping an eye on it. But I would say so far, the main lesson that they seem to have learned is that member states haven't yet all implemented the directive, despite the deadline having passed. And the UK feels that that's reflective of the complexity of its provisions. Um And particularly that regards article 17 which is relevant here because it states that online content sharing providers need to obtain an authorization from rights holders before they upload content on their website so as a result the uk government is looking at how eu countries are tackling licensing negotiations with content platforms but they're also going to be looking at countries outside the eu to assess a whole range of different options and they've said that they're going to report back on findings in spring 2022 so we should have a bit more clarity then Um, all of which to say it's impossible to say what they will find right now but judging by the UK's approach to diverging on tech regulation so far for example looking at GDPR or on AI regulation it seems fairly unlikely that we're going to be seeing any copy and paste of the copyright directive in the UK.
1: Okay so we we may see something and we'll we'll keep uh, everyone updated on that particularly when we get through to, to the spring reporting but what we're going to see is very unlikely to be, uh, be the same as what's happening in, in the rest of Europe. I think one thing that we should just conclude on is, as we saw with the, the fallout uh, in Australia between news publishers and, uh, and the large tech platforms, um, these types of issues surrounding copyrights, which could be equally applicable to the music sector, have a, have a nature of uh, causing controversy and keeping themselves in the media no doubt throughout the course of the CMA process we will see more activism from uh, headline acts that we've referenced before Paul McCartney and others uh, who will try to keep this on the agenda and put pressure both on the CMA and the government and parliament to act. So this issue isn't going to go away and it's going to keep in the public eye uh, while the regulator works in the background. So there's going to be plenty going on and the GC team are going to be following it extremely closely. So. As always, if you, your business uh, or your investment is exposed to the trends that we've discussed today, to the CMA uh, market study, to the wider developments around uh, the music sector, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Uh, You can find the contact details uh, for Megan and Nick and our sectoral teams on the GC website at www.global-council.com or via the link in the podcast notes. So thanks to Megan, thanks to Nick, and thanks very much to everyone for joining us. Goodbye.
0: For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.com and subscribe to our mailing list. And you can follow us on Twitter at global council.